Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Hope you can hear me. You know my usual paranoia. If you're not, if you're new around here, I'm Jack Chew. And today, today and weekdays, we come to you at twelve thirty till one o'clock to chew it over. We discuss whatever's topical. Usually in my world of MSK therapies, pain, injury, fitness, sometimes, and especially interprofessional issues. We talk about raising standards, and we talk about some of the oohs and ahs of how we present ourselves as therapists in this brave old world of ours. Now. We also have guests on this show on a regular basis. We haven't had any for a while because I've been off air for a little bit. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to mention is I'm sorry for those that have been commenting on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. They have changed their system slightly. And so I'm not getting your comments up on the chat as, as we used to. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't con contribute and comment and stuff, but I, I might not see them as, as quickly as I used to. So thank you for those that have been participating. I've not been ignoring you. I'm just sorry I haven't seen them um, as we used to. Uh, but those on those on Facebook and on Twitch, etc., YouTube, I think that's still working okay. But yeah, sorry about that. But thanks for tuning in today. I will just pull up the caption for today's show can't believe it but it's episode 214 which is crazy and today I'm going to be joined by Bernadette Johnson who is going to be talking to us about her experiences living with scoliosis and persistent pain as well as the fact me and Bernadette have known each other online for, for a little while now she's helped with MSCAR as well as other organizations to contribute her experience as well as then give her take on professional issues that affect uh, the sort of uh, the MSK industry at large you know we're talking about about interprofessional stuff between say physios and caros and, and and how we might raise standards and 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 how we can make sure that people get the the care that they deserve from our system um as it stands and to to make sure that we understand things better in society so Bernie that's always been very generous with the time and, and so I've been really looking forward to this we've had this planned for a few weeks and so I'm really lucky to to be joined by her so hopefully in the click of a couple of buttons I will be joined by Bernadette. Bernadette, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners for us? Um, yeah. Hi. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me, Jack. Um, um, my name's Bernadette Johnson. I am older than I'd like to be. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I live in... Uh, just a little village in West Sussex, just outside Brighton. Um, I'm, um, I have two grown-up children and a delightful grandson. Um, and I hate, I don't want to say, I, I, I have um, scoliosis. It doesn't define me, but nevertheless, that's the, the purpose of me coming on here to talk about. So um, I have um, adolescent idiopathic scoliosis that is progressing as an adult. And we know each other from you contributing your thoughts on that and your experiences living with scoliosis. And admittedly, I'm sure we'll get into them, some of your frustrations over yeah. mismanagement, not just of you, but of others that have had similar experiences to you. Could you talk us through your your journey and, and starting wherever you, you like, really, in, in the timeline of that? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I it, my scoliosis was first discovered when I was um, thirty, early thirties, after um, after my first baby, when I was having um, postnatal exercises with um, physio. Um, it was just a general class, um, and she came over and said um, fairly publicly, "Do you realise you lie in the shape of a banana?" and I said, do I? And she 
spoke to me afterwards and she said, could you go and see your GP? I think you have scoliosis, which I had never heard of. Um, and I went to see my GP who had heard of it and said, um, yeah, that's scoliosis. And um, I was sent off to an orthopedic surgeon who said, you have scoliosis, um, don't worry, won't get any worse and it doesn't hurt. And I, it was very much a sort of factual piece of information that I was given and went away. There was no follow up, no indication of um, what the implications of having it were. Now, you might think that because it was diagnosed at that age that it had didn't cause me problems, but actually it put into perspective quite a lot of things that had gone on through my adolescent years, namely back pain, um, right. back pain and an awareness that I wasn't straight myself. Um, I could feel my spine way over under one shoulder blade. I was very, um, um, I tended to have poor posture um, and I had significant back pain. I, I had back pain during um, PE at school uh, and it was one of those things in those days, you didn't really mention it, you know, it was, it was back pain and people had back pain. Um, so it kind of put it in perspective, but then um, I ignored it basically and carried on just living what I, you know, my normal life. And I, I did do quite a lot of exercise in those days. It was a lot of aerobics classes, step classes and things. And I always found things painful and I was less flexible than most people, but I wasn't overweight. So it, it didn't sort of bother me that much that I needed to exercise that to a great extent. Um, and I gradually gave up um, exercising in that fashion. And the pain got worse. I had a second child and that was really an indicator, you know, that really set off um, severe pain everybody has back pain in pregnancy. So again, it wasn't something I felt I could talk about. I didn't seek much support. And then it got very severe. I um, found myself constantly caught where I couldn't move because the pain was so bad. And I went back to my doctor. He sent me to um, a scoliosis specialist in London, who turned out to be the foremost specialist at the time. And, and that was a private consultation because I had medical insurance through my um, company. And um, he said, you have uh, two curves, a five, 55 degree and a 35 degree, and you need to have surgery to fuse the spine because it will get worse. And up until that time, I'd always been told scoliosis doesn't hurt, scoliosis won't get worse, and nothing can be done if you're fully grown. So that was a real shock to me and um, certain amounts of frustration and recrimination on my part of, you know, why was I in this position, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then um, I decided I didn't want surgery. He, he couldn't really, it, it was very much a, this is your only option. And if you don't have it, you will be in a wheelchair. I and mean, he used those terms, which was quite scary. Yeah, big time. When was that then? Sorry, time frame. That was the so. early 90s, mid 90s. Right. Okay. Um, and then my life took over two young children, husband, parents yes. who needed a bit of support, different things. So time went on. And eventually, 
um, I felt almost like I couldn't seek help because I had refused surgery. Um, but, right. you know... Um, like there'd be some sort of consequences to that defiance or something like yes, that. People yes, People were right, okay. I, How I, interesting. I felt slightly guilty, sort of guilty. So someone would say yeah. to me, well, what did you expect? But eventually um, I went back to my GP, AGP, and he said, you need to have some physio. I'd had a couple of attempts at physio prior to that that were not very successful. I was put in traction for one and told not to carry my baby, <laughs> which was... Wow. Um, Good so, luck with that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and and I was sort of had to take all my clothes off and stand and she was very irritated I didn't stand straight and it was very much like well this is how I stand I, I don't know any other way of standing and I was put in traction and left alone and I thought I, I, I'm not doing this again so um that sounds quite degrading, especially if you're saying that that's your first experience, really. Well, your first main experience in yeah. treatment terms for this condition with physiotherapists. That that yeah. sounds quite degrading, then, to, yeah. to be quite expo quite exposing for you know, take your clothes off and have your standing posture criticised and then put yeah. onto a rack, essentially, yes. which is what fraction is. That's, that's, it doesn't sound a particularly collaborative process, does it? No. So I'm not and, and to be fair, you know, it was, say, in the 90s. Um, but I didn't sure. know any different. But I obviously didn't go back. And um, again, mm. that feeling of, well, what do I do about it kind of thing. But I, there was so little information about scoliosis um to, to to call upon and then in the in the um fast forward to 2008 when i went back for physiotherapy um i was quite bad then i was quite distraught about my condition i was very um in a lot of pain um struggling to hold down my job which is full time still um struggling with all sorts of inabilities to to commit to things because of pain and um, peer pressure, um, you know, have you not sorted your back out yet kind of thing. Um, so, and then mm. I met my current physio, Paul Johnson, who really um, has helped me so much. I mean, starting off with it, talking to me about pain and pain science, I became very interested in that, um, understanding the differences between acute pain and its value and chronic pain and its lack of value and um, techniques for coping with pain. I mean, I read the Patrick, a book by Patrick Wall about pain. I read um, Pain Yarns by Laura Mosley and mm -hmm. I became really interested in the language and the narrative of how to explain pain to people who who have basically persistent pain and then the other side of it was we he helped me physically we um i mean initially and my experience up until then and also my anyone i counted on social media um had been physio for scoliosis is the same as for anyone with back pain it's stickman exercises monthly review and keep your core strong. And um, whilst I'm not denying that keeping your core strong, keeping fit is obviously of value to anybody, it's not enough to the scoliosis patient. Um, it doesn't address our individual 
um, muscular imbalances. It doesn't address um, specifically where we struggle to move our bodies because of the curves and because of the um, asymmetric element of it. Um, mm. And Paul, has, between us, we have de developed a therapy that, that suits me. It enables me to live my life in a better fashion. It helps me with the pain. And um, it, it basically, you know, um, supports my efforts to live with pain. And that supported self, supported self management is one of the things that um, I think I'm, you know, he speaks about it many places, but also a guest on this show. But Pete Moore has spoken about how really that that helping hand of finding that that trusted advisor that will collaborate with you, not dictate, but Absolutely. also not yeah. just follow. You know, it, 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 from what I've heard you speak. On Twitter, I think it was before, might have been Facebook, about how you really felt like a team. You were negotiating and designing something together. Yes. And yeah. uh, so fair play. I mean, it's something. so many people's stories are punctuated in a really meaningful way by a great therapist. And Paul certainly sounds like one. He's no relation, though, is he? You no. share a surname, but it's no. not like Uncle Paul or something, right? No, no, it's just coincidence. We happen to have the same surname, but it is quite a common surname. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're right. And, and the additional um, benefit is that it, it empowers me to be able to take my story and um, my experience. And because having scoliosis is a huge challenge in the general medical community. I mean, right. it, there's so much misinformation. There is so much inaccurate information and wrong, you know, really damaging information that it helps to, I find it hugely difficult still to challenge clinicians who tell me something and who re-diagnose me or re-say, for example, I, I will still be, I could go tomorrow to a general orthopaedic surgeon and still be told the same thing that I was told 20 years ago, that it won't get worse and that it doesn't cause pain and that nothing can be done. And I, I am still on the surgical list for fusion surgery, should I wish to take it up. I mean, don't get me wrong, I can't click my fingers and say, do it now. But I am a candidate for surgery. And between myself and the orthopaedic um, scoliosis consultant, we have decided that now is still not the right time. But he feels it will be inevitable. And so my kind of purpose in life is, is to try and postpone that inevitability, <laughs> um, it's, which is a contradiction in terms, but, you know, to, to postpone no, it. For I, as long get, as I know, I know what you're, you're meaning for sure. That's, um, that's something that, that it's really interesting position for you to be in. Does, does that, how does it... I can imagine it motivating you in some ways to yeah. make sure that you postpone as much as possible, but then also it might you feel frustrating that you, that you, your body is changing from from within you in such a way, especially having been told and, and reassured long ago that it wasn't going to. How's that feel? Yeah, it, it, it it's it, it's it's not a good good position to be in. But what frustrates me most is that it's still being it's still a very poor pathway for people who have scoliosis not right. i mean 
even even children you know young people are are the pathway is quite poor um you have to be so persistent from what um i'm obviously on a lot of facebook groups and there's there are a huge number and we all share the same story that we're told that we shouldn't have pain and um we have no treatment in between um being diagnosed I mean, for currently the treatment is just watch and wait, and the waiting is until it gets to um, a situation, a, a cob angle of a degree that surgery is or is offered. Um, and up until that point, there is no treatment apart from bracing, and obviously, bracing is a huge, um, a huge thing to happen to a young growing child through adolescence. Um, but apart from that, there is there is no um, treatment for helping us live with the pain. Um, there is no specific targeting of, as I said before, um, physio. There's no targeted treatment for us, despite the fact there are great movements or have been oh, since 2014 by the bodies who are involved with scoliosis research into specific exercises and treatment for scoliosis. Um, such as the such as the scroff method. Scroff method and P P S E A S, which is physio-specific exercises for scoliosis, which embody the elements of um, what scroth embodies, which is um, breathing, correct breathing and correct or different um, exercises and mobilisation of, uh, I don't know if it's mobilisation or manipulate, I think I mean mobilisation of the spine, which can actually help stop the progression has been shown to help stop the progression um can't obviously straighten the curve but um uh, my, that's I, one of I, the things that i sorry sorry there's a no, slight delay no, that brenda that carry on no i was going to say and i i personally feel that the, there's such a gap between what we are offered currently from current mainstream medicine um it's there's this vacuum has been filled by all these other people jumping on the bandwagon with with cures and and promises <laughs> yeah. and and yeah. sometimes damaging and inappropriate um treatment because for scoliosis people there are clear windows that you mustn't you shouldn't miss if if, if i had been diagnosed earlier which is, is no fault of my parents or anything it's just in those days you didn't you know your back wasn't seen by that many people you, you didn't really get that much undressed in a PE class it wasn't spotted nowadays it is spotted you know young girls and boys do all sorts of gyms and um, activities where you can pick up earlier on this on scoliosis and maybe get yeah effective treatment and it's important that those windows of opportunity aren't lost by parents who are desperately seeking um, relief for their child or for themselves and end up going down um, a different road shall we say from what mainstream medicine is offering there seems to be i've experienced um two unfortunate extremes with regards to medical professionals and healthcare professionals interactions with people with scoliosis where you've got unfortunately a very dismissive side 
which you yeah. sound like you've encountered significantly, um, implying an irrelevance to scoliosis, despite plenty of um, plenty of experience from those with it that, that there's a relevance to it, or at yeah. least that needs to explain it. And then on the other side, then um, to some, particularly those that are then, yeah, they've usually got a, a cure up their sleeve, implying that everything is relevant to it and that, there's a, that, that there is something so inevitable that there isn't any management around it that would help but for their usual preferred, yes. preferred cure. So, so somewhere in the middle, of course, you and I, you and I sit and, and we want to advocate for, what do you, what do you feel is the... What do you feel is the sort of best practice guidance for, that you would have, and what, what, what would be your go-to thing that you'd change in the system for people that have scoliosis? What would you want from them? Um, I would like to see much better information um, about it, um, I, a, a better clinical awareness. I mean, there there are. I could go through the types of scoliosis, but I, it's so important. They're not all the same. Congenital scoliosis, for example, is um, a misformed vertebrae. Um, de novo sco scoliosis is adult de degenerative, which occurs, as I understand it, as you age or can occur. And of course, and it's generally in the lumbar area. Idiopathic scoliosis, which is the really what I feel more confident about talking about can be um, thoracic, lumbar, combinations of both. You can have a thoracic structural curve with a compensatory lumbar curve. That actually means that if you fix the, the thoracic curve, the compensatory curve will fix itself. Um, but equally, you can have what I have, which is triple major, which means all my three curves are structural. So it's, and it's detail like that. Whilst people might think, well, what does it matter? It's scoliosis, it's a curve in the spine. It does matter because if we're not talking the same language and the narrative isn't accurate, then we do get the wrong information. And again, the patient isn't confident about the treatment they're getting or the lack of treatment and isn't confident about where to go. And I, I could take an example. Functional scoliosis, as I understand it, is... Um, it's not actually a structural scoliosis. And I have met quite a lot of clinicians who say, oh, I treat scoliosis and I've had patients who the curve has straightened. Well, I think they believe that. They believe that their treatment has straightened the curve. And in fact, their treatment has contributed, but it's not accurate. You didn't straighten the structural curve. And the, the damage done, I think, and anecdotally, is that people then... Um, believe that as well and so we don't we don't get the change needed because there is very there's not enough in my opinion there's not enough initiatives out there it's looking at how do we help scoliosis patients right. with physio or with treatment so I, I want to see first of all a better understanding and my my understanding about physio training is that there's not an awful lot um done in the training about it it's more experience on the job and i think that that's where we get these discrepancies and um conflicts of information and what i when you ask me what do i want to see i fundamentally believe in physiotherapy i think largely because it's it's within the nhs guide training it, so 
I personally and the people around me, we have a confidence, we have a trust in our NHS. And that initial confidence, I think, physiotherapy comes because it's available on the NHS. So yeah. I want to see a better treatment on the NHS and I want to see good treatment in private practice, being able to feed back into the NHS. I'm really lucky that I can pay for private physio, but I pay for it so that I can carry on working. And if I can't pay for it, I will get no treatment at all. And that, so I want to fight for those who need this treatment and aren't in the position mm. I'm in. Um, mm. It's a shame that it is a shame though, that um, in many ways, you 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 pay for your treatment in order to keep yourself working full time to pay your taxes to fund an NHS yeah. that then isn't necessarily or hasn't been there for you in this instance as well as you'd like. Now, of course, you know we're all very proud of it, and it's just a shame that in this specific circumstance it couldn't be. Uh, so, you know, you're you're supported by the health system of which yeah. you're paying for for the specific. Yeah, there's an irony there, but, but, but such yeah. as like, I mean, obviously, yeah. um, I, I, in the, my treatment enables me to live a, a quality of yeah. life as well. Um, yeah, it's not. I'm not just saying it's turned you into a wage slave or something <laughs> like that. that, that of course, I mean, there's, there's other, there's other like benefits. It. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> what, what, I want to ask, what I want to ask Bernadette is that there's been, I mean, in the, in the most part, much like this conversation, you and I, um agree on on a great many things i think one where, where there's been times where i think maybe i've i've frustrated you somewhat is when i've broadened <laughs> the disciplines a little i've yep. often been speaking the language of saying that there's there's i don't have a preferred flavor of therapist and that i just think that there's good and bad everywhere and that that uh, unfortunately I've, i'm disappointed by some of my physiotherapy colleagues but for an, for another example i've got um chiropractors that i would have treat my friends and family sooner than i would some physios and whilst that doesn't you know i, I don't know if there's any of those things i've said that you would disagree with but you have felt you've, you've wanted to appeal to me to say you, you need to be a bit more cautious with that because you have had experiences that have frustrated you outside of physiotherapy is that fair yeah. to say Yes, I think that's very fair to say. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, my, I encountered again on Facebook um, and I was quite naive at the start. I didn't know any differences between physiotherapy, um, chiropractor, osteo, osteopathy. I didn't know that um, chiropractic wasn't offered on the NHS. And um, there's, there is a group of chiropractors in the US who are particularly involved in treating scoliosis. And I can't be more um, upset with with their treatment um, plan, how they present their treatment, what they claim to be able to do. Um, they it, it's a, it's a very expensive program. It's um, mm. um, it makes all sorts of claims, but particularly it it scaremongers. Um, if you don't have this treatment, um, it's scaremongers about the future, and it completely um, distorts um, what um, the surgical um, solution by by basically making all sorts of claims about the doc, um, U.S. Um, medical um, system and that sort of thing. So it was quite scary, and I gradually was able to challenge and eventually I was thrown off the group a number of us were and, and it, it, it is a huge issue for a lot of us in this country because it's people are, are so desperate they go they go to these places and um, I know that's very extreme but they go believing because um, 
the everything they're offered is couched in medical terms the clinicians call themselves doctors and they are none the wiser and they're vulnerable it preys on vulnerable people um, that sort of treatment now it's not the case in the uk but nevertheless you still can see and hear and adverts about claiming to straighten your spine by people who don't work in the nhs and that's my problem with it. It, it 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 is um it's wrong because it is it's they're misinformed but it, it's also damaging and um you will always get anecdote i mean i love that phrase the plural of of anecdote is anecdotes it's not evidence but but that's the world that it, it, you inhabit that sort of world of well it worked it worked for so and so and it's worked you know i can show you this and i can show you that and you constantly and they want to yeah them. they want to imply that that then tells you about the mechanism of what actually helped uh, which yes. it doesn't of course but yes. what what i and we haven't we haven't got long so i want to make sure i do ask this is when I never really, it's really interesting for you to, to have heard this from me because I hadn't before, where you feel that there is so, there is something that comes from the vouch that comes from the NHS. You know, is there, there is something that then is a mark of credibility that's relevant there that, that, yeah. that, that helps you helps you as a consumer to respect and trust physiotherapy on mass compared to care on mass although that doesn't mean that you know you, you've not encountered and would still maybe encounter variation within that what i want to ask then is of those uk chiropractors that i that i do do work with uh, that i've said that you know really there's just not a hair's breadth between our styles of practice what would you advise they do when they're trying to reform and improve because their argument is that they agree with I agree with you, Jackie. I agree with you, Bernadette. We there shouldn't be much difference, but they are say chiropractors of ten years' experience. That that just happens to be the certificate that's on their wall. They're working in an evidence-informed fashion. What would you suggest they do? Well, I I don't really understand when you say they work in an evidence-informed um, fashion because the, as I understand it, the the um, the approach for dealing with back pain forget about scoliosis is 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 all about natural progression it's about exercise it's not it's not focusing on damage and my experience of talking to people who go to chiropractors it's it's all about looking at damage now Mm. ironically for for scoliosis patients yes there is damage for want of a better word deformity but um my understanding you know with physio is is that um you have support and um but you you are empowered yourself and that's not what i understand chiropractors do and i don't so i i don't understand if 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 why why do we have why is not everyone a physio or everyone an msk person doing the same thing i can't understand quite why we have this definition and particularly because it's not available on the nhs so I almost don't have any advice. It's just, just please don't keep saying that you can um, straighten the scoliosis. Straighten spines, yeah, fair um, enough. And, and can we, but could, you know, um, it does need to be a consistency of treatment because um, 
their model, I don't think, is is the same as the current model for treating pain. I mean, correct me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but I no, I, I think I think that's that, that's fair enough. I think that the sort of history and the legacy of it, as well as what the standard, if you took the mean chiropractor, I don't mean that they are mean as a no, people, no. <laughs> the median. Let's go at the average. Um, I just want to also to say, I mean, ironically, because for us, I mean, the, the focus now on um, on dealing with back pain you know there's no x-rays or we don't x-ray routinely um and yet x-ray um chiropractors do that that that's an interesting kind of um well it's an interesting perspective so so what is what is going on there um and and also um i think sometimes alternative complementary medicine seizes on oh well um we can do what they clearly can't do. So we're sort of better than them or we're, we're more informed than them. And I don't think that's the mm. case. I think the lack of treatment in, in, um, in the NHS for scoliosis is um, contributing to this rather than... It's moving people into... The, yeah, it's, it's yeah. squeezing people into the hands of the more unscrupulous than by the time... It is. And, and the FCP initiative enough. as well, that, that worries me because... If you haven't got someone who understands scoliosis seeing that um, seeing the patient, then you you could go down the wrong road. So it, it, it is it is a difficult one that we scoliosis needs to be seen for what it is, and mm. appropriate treatment pathways followed. And that way, I feel that people wouldn't be so desperate that they have to re- recourse. To, I mean, I'm sure you're right that there are. Um, very good um, non-physios out there who 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 can give support and give good pain um, advice, but maybe we wouldn't have to keep going outside of the system to it if it was offered within it. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, and I think what is you know I, I want to just assure you that I'm not I'm not for a second an apologist for some of the chiropractors that you're describing but then similarly I feel just the nature of my exposure to it means that I've met I've met a few really good eggs in that space as well as unfortunately been disappointed with some yeah. of my own um, yeah. and, and I think that, that that exposure to that variety will have been different but that doesn't necessarily make it any any better and I'm therefore glad we've been able to unpack yeah. this in a bit of a longer form because as ever the more me and you chat and more that most of us chat um in this sort of format then we, we find ourselves not disagreeing much at all so yeah, i really do thank you for, thank you for your time bernadette it's been really insightful and, and hopefully Thanks. we can speak again another time um but yeah it, just uh, let people know a little bit about where they can find you especially on on twitter you you, you do uh, share some thoughts there you'd be well worth following so if you could just give us your twitter handle um it's at bjj which is b-e-e-j-j j-a-y which are my initials. So, um, Brilliant. No, thank, yeah. thank you very much. For those that have been tuning in, thank you. And uh, I'm sorry for those that have been, you know, they, they've changed the algorithms a little bit. So I can't get your uh, comments in real time necessarily to, to bring them up on screen like I used to, but I'm working on it. And hopefully next week I'll, I'll be back up to speed with all of the fancy technology that I usually use. But for now, thank you all so much. And thank you, Bernadette. Really appreciate it. And uh, have a lovely Thanks. weekend. Cheers, everyone. Thank you very much, Jack.